Well, he was a very young police officer. As a matter of fact, he was pretty new to the job. He had only been on the job for about a month when he pulled over a grandmother for speeding and he asked her for her license. And she said, I don't have a driver's license. And then she asked, or he asked for the registration and she said, I don't have a registration. And he said, well, why not? And she said, because this car is stolen. And then the grandmother said, and I guess you should know there's a dead body in the trunk. So the young officer immediately called for backup. And when the sergeant got there, uh, he gets the story from the young officer. And then he approaches this uh, grandmother and he says, ma'am, my officer tells me you don't have a driver's license or registration and that this car is stolen. And she looked confused and she said, well, that's ridiculous. And she gave him her driver's license and the registration that showed that the car belonged to her. And the sergeant looked confused and he said, well, my officer said you told him there's a body in the trunk. We're going to need to look in your trunk. And she opened the trunk and there was no body inside. And so she turned to the sergeant and she said, your officer has obviously not been telling you the truth. The next thing you know, you'll be telling me that that liar told you I was speeding. Now, part of why that's funny is we might expect that from a smart aleck teenager or young adult, but we don't expect a grandmother to try to get out of a speeding ticket. Have you noticed we sometimes put people in different categories? Today, we're starting a series called His Love Through Me, and we'll be looking at living out our church slogan. Here at Impact, we often encourage you to let God love you and love others through you. In fact, we end each broadcast of our radio program, Live With Impact, by saying, let God love you and love others through you as you go and live with impact. And we want to spend the next several weeks really trying to help you live with impact. We want to help you take that from being just a church slogan to being the truth of how you live your life every day. And to start the discussion, we need to discuss whether you see yourself as a leader or a follower. Do you see yourself as a leader or a follower in this area of your life of letting God love others through you? And we tend to look at people around us and define them as either leaders or followers. If your kids are old enough to socialize with other kids, you probably have them classified by now. You say, she is such a leader or he is such a follower. And sometimes we feel really proud when our child is a leader until they lead their kindergarten class to pull off the biggest escape from the playground in the history of the school. Or until they lead their younger sister to cut her own hair. Then we aren't quite sure that we're glad that they're leaders. On the flip side, we tend to worry about our kids when we label them as followers because we worry that they will fall into the wrong crowd, that they'll be influenced by leaders with evil motives. I mean, we don't want to find out that our children have followed the wrong person and have joined ISIS or some weird polygamist cult group. 
And we tend to worry if we think our kids are followers. But if I understand the Bible correctly, we're all supposed to be followers. All of us are supposed to be followers. Look at this passage from Mark chapter 8. Then he, that is Jesus, called the crowd to him along with his disciples, and he said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, what's your concept of following Jesus? I mean, we tend to think of it as kind of like the follow the leader game. I mean, we're just going to walk behind him and turn when he turns and go where he goes, which sounds good, but to some degree, once we've been a Christian for a while, we kind of think we know where he's going. We think we know where he's going, and so uh, he is steadily walking that straight and narrow path of morality, and us Christians are following behind him and trying not to get distracted and let off course. And the problem with this concept of following Jesus is Jesus kind of becomes irrelevant in this process of following. I mean, if all of us All we have to do is kind of stay on the straight and narrow path of obedience by doing the right thing and avoiding the wrong thing. Does it really matter if Jesus is out front or not? In fact, Jesus could faint and we could walk right by him and we could feel like we're still following because we've stayed on the straight and narrow path of obedience and then Jesus could come too and he could get up and start walking again but suddenly he's following me. You see how ridiculous that is. There must be something wrong with my understanding of following if it really doesn't matter who's out front. But personally, I think it's more complicated and more significant than that when Jesus asks us to follow him. Write this down. If Jesus asks us to follow, he must be going somewhere and he wants us to go with him. If Jesus asks me to follow, he must be going somewhere, and he must want me to go with him. And where he takes us might be different for each and every one of us. I mean, he has led me to be a pastor leading a local church, and he has led some of my good friends to serve him as missionaries in other countries, and he leads some to represent him while teaching in a public school or serving as an engineer or while driving truck, and he wants some to follow him by singing on the worship team, and others of us he doesn't want to ever see holding a microphone during the music portion of the service at all and some he wants to follow him by sitting on the floor and teaching kids or or working with steel city kids guest services to help welcome new families and get their kids checked in others he wants to work behind the scenes cleaning things or driving a shuttle or working in a parking lot or so many other places the point is we can all follow him and end up in totally different places We can be following him and end up in different places. So I think this issue of following involves who is in control and who's giving up control. Who is in control and who's giving up 
control. I like the message paraphrase of that same verse from Mark that we read earlier. Here's what it said. Calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Following means I give Jesus total control of my life. I'm not in the driver's seat anymore. He is. Now, that's really hard for me because I love to drive, and I am much happier in the driver's seat than in the passenger seat. That's just who I am. But following Jesus means I give up such total control that I don't even get to read the map. Not only am I not in the driver's seat, but I don't get to navigate. I don't get to read the map. I don't get to say where he takes me. I follow him wherever he takes me, whenever he wants me to go there, and however he decides to do it. And that's what it means to follow him. And you would think that that might make us weak, that somehow that might make us insignificant. I mean, we always feel like second-class citizens when we give up control or when we have to submit to someone else leading us or controlling us. So we kind of feel that same way when we start talking about Jesus getting to to decide where we go and what we do and how we get there. But that is so far from the truth. Following Jesus is an incredible privilege It's an incredible privilege. And it doesn't make us weak. It doesn't make us insignificant. In fact, it makes us strong. It makes us hugely significant. Let me point out the significance of this. First, it is a privilege that God loves me. It's a privilege that God loves me. Look at this passage from 1 John chapter 4. We'll look at verses 9 and 10. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sin. On every page of the Bible, we read the same good news. God loves me. God loves me. There are two truths about God loving me that I really want you to catch today. When we're talking about the fact that God loves you, I want you to see, first of all, he always has. The Bible's clear that God loved you before you were born. While you were still a baby in your mama's belly, he loved you. He loved you when you were in the terrible twos. He loved you when you were in that awkward teenage stage. And he loved you when you were in that awkward midlife crisis or when you were menopausal. He has always loved you. He loved you even before you were born because he loved you enough to send his one and only son, Jesus, into the world to die on the cross to pay for your sin and my sin. So when we're talking about the fact that God loves you, I want you to see that he always has. And secondly, I want you to see He always will. He always will. Nothing you can do can change his love for you. 
He won't love you less if you sin in some big, horrible fashion, and he won't love you more if you succeed spiritually in some big, wonderful way. The truth of the matter is simple. God loves you. He always has, and he always will. Someone might be here today, and you might be thinking, well, I'm not even sure I believe in God. Well, if you're here and you're not sure you believe in God, we're glad that you're here. You are welcomed here. We're not afraid of your questions. We'd love to answer uh, whatever questions you have. You're welcomed here. But if you're here and you're saying, I don't, I'm not sure I believe in God. I want to tell you something else. That's fine. But he still loves you. He always has. And he always will. And you might be sitting there feeling totally guilty about some secret sin. And you might be thinking there is just absolutely no way that God could love me because I've done these things that I know that he would hate. I want to tell you, God loves you. He always has. And he always will. And you might be thinking, you know what, I was close to him once, and then I let myself move far away from God, and I pretty much ignored him for years, and you need to hear it again, God loves you, he always has, and he always will. And you might ask, why does he love me? Yeah, we all wonder that too. Okay, that may have come out wrong. It isn't that we all wonder why God loves you. We can't figure out why God loves us it doesn't make sense to us it doesn't make sense to any of us because we know who we are on the inside we know who we are on our worst days and we can't believe that god would love us but here is the incredible privilege god knows all about us our secret sins our biggest failures, our lack of faith, the hate inside of us, the bitterness inside of us. He knows everything about us, and here is the privilege. God loves us. He always has, and he always will. You know what? It occurs to me that there may be people sitting in this room that the only reason God brought you here today is to remind you that God loves you. He always has, and he always will. But there's a second part of this. Secondly, it's a privilege that God loves others through me. Look back at 1 John, at the verses we read there. We'll reread verse 10, and then we'll go forward to verse 12. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. I love the way this translation puts it. If we love each other, God lives in us. And if we love each other, his love is brought to full expression in us. It says pretty clearly what we've been saying, doesn't it? God loves other people through me. How I treat people reflects to them how God loves them. He is inside of each of us trying to love the people who are in our line of sight with his love. And as we will see in future weeks during this series, God has given each of us talents. He's given each of us abilities that he wants us to use to love other people. He has a job for us 
us. He has a mission for us. He has a purpose for us. He has a plan for each of us to be used by him to show his love to others in some way. And if you claim to be following Jesus, you need to be figuring out how God wants to love others through you. And you need to get busy letting him do that. Look at this verse from Ephesians chapter 2. It says this, he created each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work that he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing. So God has a job for you to do and you had better be doing it. But how is that a privilege? How is that a privilege? Well, don't overlook, first of all, the statement that God is making. Do you realize what God is saying about you when he gives you the task of loving others for him? You see, not only does God love you, he trusts you. Not only does God love you, he trusts you. Maybe you haven't thought of it that way before, but he trusts you. He trusts you to do something as important as loving someone who's far away from God with his love. What would be the biggest honor that you could receive at your job? Think about that for just a minute. I mean, maybe it would be to be asked to head some major project or maybe to be a keynote speaker at a conference or maybe to be promoted to that top job. It's weird, isn't it? It would be more work would take more time it would be more stress and more work and it would be a privilege at the same time because your boss would be saying that she or he trusts you with something hugely important that they are delegating an important task to you so don't miss the statement God is making when he asks you to serve him he is saying I trust you to do something really important. I trust you to show my love to people who are hurting. I trust you to show my, my love to people who are lost or confused or heading towards sin. And I trust you to let me love people through you so that I can heal them, so that I can help them, so I can comfort them, so that I can save them. And when you really grasp the statement that God is making by asking you to serve him, it's an incredible privilege but there's something else here that we don't dare overlook, and that is the responsibility God is giving. The responsibility God is giving. This is not some flippant thing. This is not busy work that God has trusted to us. Letting God love others through us is a huge responsibility. You see, at some point, God made a strategic decision, and it's a strategic decision that I don't understand at all. Here was his strategic decision. His decision was to communicate his love for people in the world only through the people who had already discovered his love. Here's the deal. God doesn't have a plan B. God intends that everyone who hears about Jesus and his forgiveness and his love for them will hear about it through us through people who already know about that. He intends that everyone who is hurting, that ever feels the love of God through an act of compassion and sacrifice will feel God's love through us as his people. 
We are his only plan. We are the hands and feet of Jesus to love the world around us. And if we don't do it, it's game over. It's not going to happen. And there are people all around each of us, people in our line of sight, who need to experience the love of God. And we are the ones on the front line. God wants to love them through us. He wants them to experience his hope and his forgiveness and his compassion and his joy and his peace and his love through us. And again, let me say it, this isn't something that we should see as a big problem or a burden or an inconvenience. It really is a privilege to be God's partner. And when I let him, he loves others through me. Wow. Today, I want you to meet Bonnie Lipke. Bonnie has had the joy of letting God love others through her in many different ways over the past many years. Most recently, she was a huge part of our guest services team at Impact Beaver Valley. And she, like others who have joined us uh, as we've merged together with that campus, she's looking for a place where God will have her plug in and where she can be used by God here. So let's welcome her as she comes. I am so thankful that God died on that cruel cross for me and for you. Uh, the best choice I ever made to seek God's forgiveness, um, the best choice I ever made was to seek God's forgiveness and accept him as my Lord and Savior. The relationship I have with Jesus through prayer and reading the Bible gives my life a solid foundation and a purpose in this broken world. God knows my weakness and God knows my strengths, and he loves me completely. He knows everything about me, and he loves me. Now, that's exciting. That could be shouting grounds for me. Life has so many seasons uh, through the years, months, days, and moments. We all have mountaintop experience and low valley encounters and plain old ordinary days. And as for me, following Jesus makes my mountaintops brighter and those valleys sustainable, and those ordinary days just plain old enjoyable. He is my heavenly father, and I am his child. Every single day, he gives me the peace and reassurance to know that nothing, no news, no events or occurrences, that he doesn't give me the power, the wisdom, the grace to persevere as my day unfolds. What a mighty, mighty God we serve. Now, I don't know if you caught that last word, but I said serve, not sit. So, um, I've gone through a hard year in multiple ways, last couple years, just like many people. But I'm happy to report to you that through everything that I've gone through, Jesus was with me every single step of the way. And um, as I was thinking back over these past 35 years of uh, being Jesus' hands and feet, and it's, it's been the most fulfilling and exciting time for me. I mean, serving Christ is just fun. Um, I don't like to be bored, and I don't like to be boring, so I'm hoping I'm not boring you. And choosing to be a servant of Christ is an adventure. So lo lately, as I feel a new season of dawn um, coming for me, I started to pray for God's direction. God, where do you need me to make a difference in your kingdom? 
And my prayer for all of us is that we make the decision to get involved in some area of service. What I found through all these years, Jesus has never left me shuffle aimlessly through uh, these past years at all. He opened up doors for me to serve. He shut doors. And I've served in so many capacities. It was fun for me to stop and pause and think back of how many different areas God had me to serve in uh, ministry and what a privilege it's been. And here's some, just some of the things that happened over these past 30 years following his leading. I led youth group for about 15 years, um, planned retreats, working uh, weekly youth camps, um, which would keep you young, I'm telling you. I taught Sunday school class, fifth and sixth graders. And if you teach a class of kids, you just, you just love them kids, just like they're your own. I worked in all areas of VBS, from directing to playground person to food, teaching. I've done it all, I, and I've enjoyed that. Um, I helped collect packages for our military and, um, you know, and sending them when they were off in, in war. I helped out with our senior citizens. Um, a lot of seniors that sat in our church, just like we are today, grow old and can't get out anymore, and they're homebound. So it was fun when we made gifts for them and holiday gifts and took them to them. I was involved in missions uh, in our inner city in Pittsburgh and, uh, and abroad. We did different things with that. I've done different things. I've cleaned. I've done dishes. I've washed tables. Um, I've greeted, as Steve says, along with many, and I'm so thankful that through all these years, God's given me a place to serve. And this isn't by any measure a complete list of the things that he's allowed me to do. And it's not to say, look at me, what I've done, because if you know me, that's not me at all to begin with, but it's not that at all. To God be the glory for the things he provided for me to do. And many sitting in his church today have done um, maybe the same or much even more than I have, but God has called us all to serve and not sit in the sidelines. I truly believe that there is a place or a job for every one of us. And when you focus on others, you don't have time to be self-propelled or self-centered, but Christ-centered. And choosing to get involved is absolutely life-changing, and it is. So I ask Jesus today for guidance and direction and a place to serve in his church for myself, and I pray that he also opens up the right door for you to serve, and he will. I think these are such exciting days in our church. Uh, I pray that God richly blesses our pastors and our leaders with his wisdom and his insight as we venture uh, to touch our communities, many communities, with the love of Jesus. So don't sit in the sidelines. Get involved. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Bonnie for sharing with all three services and uh, for doing such a good job of uh, encouraging us. As Bonnie said, getting involved and letting God love others through you is absolutely life-changing. There is nothing like the privilege of knowing that a life was changed because you served in Steel City Kids or in the parking lot or as a growth group leader or down at a homeless shelter. When God loves others through you, it will change your life. It will become one of the biggest joys and one of the most incredible privileges of your life. But before we're done, I need to make sure that we all understand there is one condition, and that is I have to let him. I have to let him. Look at what 1 Corinthians chapter 4 says. 
Now, in this way, those who are trusted with something valuable must show that they are worthy of that trust. That's the truth our slogan points out each time we use it. We say, let God love you and love others through you. The first word is the word that determines if you are following Jesus or not. Whether or not you're letting Jesus lead you where he wants you to be, it determines who is in the driver's seat of your life, you or Jesus. The slogan says, I have to let God love me. So that means I have to accept his love. And some don't believe that God has valued them that much. But I want you to know God loves you. He always has and he always will. And some think that they have to get their life together first. They have to get rid of all of the bad habits and uh, live God's way and not sin anymore first. But God already loves you just the way that you are. And he wants to help you become who he designed you to be and who you've always desired to be. And God won't force you to respond to his love or believe in his love. You need to accept his love. But whether you do or not, he loves you. He always has and he always will. But here's the sad truth. If you don't accept his love, you probably won't move forward to the second area. You won't experience at least the joy because you won't move forward with the right motives. And that would be really, really sad. The slogan says, I have to let God love me and love others through me. So secondly, I have to obey his calling. I have to obey his calling. Look at this passage from 1 Peter 2. But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and to speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. God has actually issued a call to you. He has chosen you. The only question left is will you obey that calling? Will you figure out how he wants to love others through you, and will you let him? Now, there are many reasons or excuses that people use for not letting God use them. I mean, some really don't know what their talents and abilities are for serving God. They don't know what talents God has given them. And we're going to help you with that during this series. And in fact, one of the best ways for you to figure that out is to go to our GPS class on September 24th, where you will learn in a really fun way your talents and your gifts and abilities that God wants you to use. And I hope that's the biggest class that we've ever had for GPS. And some honestly... Honestly, when they think about letting God use them, they don't think they have time to serve God because they're so busy at home or at work. And uh, that's a real struggle. I understand that. And we will talk about that next weekend. And some just don't know where to plug in. And we'll help you with that too. We have recently moved Nikki Funk from part-time to full-time on our staff. And in addition to her responsibilities with Revolution, our Celebrate Recovery Ministry, she will be our volunteer director. 
And her job will be to help people let God love others through them. She will be kind of the liaison between you and our many different areas of serving here at Impact. She will be helping our ministry leaders do a better job of recruiting and following up on people who work to... and work to make it easier for people to get plugged in, for you to get plugged in and connected to ministry. And some of you know why I'm saying that. Because some may be sitting here with your arms crossed physically or mentally because you've tried before. You've tried to get involved. You really have. And you've gotten hurt in the past trying to let God use you. I mean, you volunteered and someone dropped the ball. And no one ever plugged you in, and that hurt. Or you were involved in a ministry. You were serving in a ministry, but then there was this weird tension between you and someone else, and you got your feelings hurt, and you quit, and you decided you were never going to serve again. And if that's you, let me say, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I hate it when I hear that because I've experienced the same thing over the years. Some of my biggest hurts in life have been inflicted by people who call themselves followers of Jesus, but somehow they replaced their hate and their control issues with the love that God wanted to show through them. And that's been a weird thing because their hate comes through, but the love of God doesn't. But if you've been hurt by someone while serving in the past, let me ask you, are you going to let that hurt? Are you going to like let that bad experience keep you from obeying Jesus? Are you going to let that rob you of the joy of letting God love others through you? I mean, how in the world can anyone make that choice? Let me close with a scripture that might help. It's from 2 Corinthians 4. Here's what it says. Since God has so generously let us in on what he's doing, we're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into occasional hard times. Do you know what might be really depressing? It might be really depressing if when we get to heaven, God showed us what our life could have been like. If he showed us what our life could have been like if we had lived out his plan for us, if he showed us kids who could have been helped if we served in the children's ministry or people who would have been drawn to him if we had served on the worship team or neighbors who would have been helped if we had let God love them through us by just giving them a listening ear and godly encouragement. I don't know about you, but I am determined to let his love flow through me every day. I'm not going to miss what he wants to do through me. I am not going to spend all of my time on some club or hobby that won't make any difference whatsoever when I die. I'm going to give myself fully to following Jesus. I'm going to let God love me and I'm going to let him love others through me. I've made my decision. What will you decide? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is that you know us completely and love us. Thank you, Father, that you've always loved us. Thank you that you always will. And Father, what a privilege that you love others through us. Father, I pray for each person here. I pray for those that have been discouraged in the past while serving you, that you will give them the encouragement to 
uh, let you love others through them again. Father, I pray for those who have never served. I pray that you will cause them to step out of their comfort zone and to trust you and to allow you to use them in ways that they never dreamed possible. And Father, we are just so thankful that you trust us that much. And Father, I just pray that you will help us to see your plan for our life, that you will help us, Father, to get off the sidelines, that you will help us to give it all to you, to put it all on the table, and to give you everything. In Jesus' name.